Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Lots of people riding in the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. Following Fiddy's favorites ranking the top five Disney movies. Yes, I know there are quite a few people saying that Pixar was not Disney at the time, but it is now, and for all intents and purposes, these movies still hit the same. We're just trying to reach childhood nostalgia, going the animated movie route, so we can still include some of the movies that were discussed here. So Fiddy's list was... Toy Story number one, Cars 2, Peter Pan 3, Lion King 4, which he admitted was a little too low. Five was Monsters, Inc. And you said you were a little disappointed in yourself once again by not having Finding Nemo in your top five upon further review. Yeah, no, when I think about Finding Nemo, I mean, I absolutely love that movie. Like when he goes out there and he touches the butt, Mm -hmm. that's a top three Disney moment of all time. I just want you to know and everybody to know during the break, Fiddy said, how dare you, Walker? Not everything I talk about is sex and then he said in finding nemo his favorite part was touching the butt in finding nemo oh so no my favorite part is whenever he gets moved into the tank with all the other fish and to become a part of their group he has to swim through shark bait hoo-ha-ha yes a hundred percent i absolutely <laughs> and it's called mount hakawakaluki and i i love hearing them say that and then can, can you do it in the voice whenever they're going up there uh, shark bait hoo-ha-ha shark bait hoo-ha-ha <laughs> Shark bait. Put the pebble in. All right, Wes, top five for you. Do you, you how much of a problem did you have with Fiddy's favorites and how would well, you put it? I didn't have a problem at all because all these movies are so subjective to who likes it. And my list is very reflective of me not being a huge uh, Disney animated film fan. Like I kind of got to an age where I wasn't really into them like that. And then mm-hmm. once I had my son and we started watching a lot of them. Uh, but I would start with number one. I just had to pay homage. It was the last Disney movie that I, well, when I was a kid, I seeked this movie out, rented it, loved it. Aladdin is probably my number one. Okay, uh, Aladdin's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I loved Aladdin back in the and, day. And we, we got some text in that were angry at Fiddy for not including yeah, Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin was my joint. Then number two, though, we started getting a little more modern. Number two, I loved uh, Inside Out. I thought Inside Out was I haven't seen Inside Out. I've heard good things. I knew within the first 10 minutes of that movie, I said, this is about to be great. The concept <laughs> was so great, you know, around mental health and stuff like that. But the concept was just excellent. So I loved that. Uh, number three, a movie that I got on late because we went to see the second one. And I watched the first one right before we went to see the second one, The Incredibles. I love The Incredibles. Oh, wow. I forgot all about The I Incredibles. I love The Incredibles. Jack Jack is so cute, especially in the second one. He has all these powers. And then I think about my son, like, if he if he was like Jack Jack and how off the chain he is already. And then if he was like Jack Jack and had those powers, just how off the chain he would be. Because he could multiply himself. He could do fire. I mean, he could just do all kinds of stuff. forgot about The Incredibles. I love Jack Jack. And then uh, number four, Cars. I love Cars, especially I self-fitting in the break. 
the last one, they kind of went with the Rocky plot. Mm-hmm. Lightning lost it all. You know, people thought he didn't have it anymore. Then he went back to, to the Wilkesboro. I believe it was the Wilkesboro Speedway to, to get his mojo back. So I like that they incorporated that into it. So I thought that uh, that was a dope story as well. And then number five, the only movie I rented as an adult that I wanted to see when Redbox was still a thing was uh, Up. Up is great. I loved Up. I, I do like Up quite a bit. Yeah. Did you consider putting Up in the top five, Fiddy, or do you think that a lot of people really like that movie? Yeah, Up was fire. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. You need to watch yeah, it. Yeah, you should check out Up, man. It's good. It's yeah. funny. It's good. You should, like you should absolutely watch that one. Now, there's a couple of classics that I don't think any of us are putting in. Okay. Like Cinderella. Dumbo Sleeping, almost made my list. Dumbo, yeah. Sleeping Beauty. Beauty and the Beast, you know, Snow White is in there. Like Aristocats, I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. That's it's a little bit deeper. And then the new ones, Encanto was really good. Moana was fire. Yeah, so those are I haven't seen those, but I know a lot of people like those. Big Hero Six, somebody wrote in. Yeah, Uh, Big Hero Six is Wreck It Ralph was dope. I I did see that in theaters. Yeah, I like it. Wreck It Ralph was dope. Yeah, hungover in college, going to the movie theaters and then watching Wreck It Ralph. Um, yeah, that was fine. I wasn't feeling great, but that was fine. All right, my top five real quickly. Lion King is goaded for me. It's yeah. number one. It is. I think it's pretty clearly. I think there is Lion King. You know, Toy Story is fine to be up there as well, but Lion King is number one. I have Toy Story number two, the whole franchise. It's absolutely yeah, cheating. Yeah, I was going whole franchise it's, with my ranking. It's absolutely cheating, and I, I don't care. I'm going Toy Story number two. I don't know why, Colin. I feel like he's mad at me. I think he might be mad at other people. We're not quite sure yet. Or just mad in general. Yeah, could be. Uh, number three, I have Monsters, Inc. I absolutely love Monsters, Inc. I'm putting that number three as well. You need to watch Lion King and Monsters, Inc. Yes. Number four, something we haven't mentioned yet, Ratatouille. Love Ooh, Ratatouille. That's a, a lot of ratatouilles in these, a lot of ratatouilles in these streets. Yeah. Ask Young Thug. <laughs> I'm, I'm t- <laughs> well, they're in my list too. They're in the streets and they're in my top five. So excellent movie is Ratatouille. And number five, it's me, the Aquarium God. I got Finding Nemo. Okay. So that's got to be number five. I loved Finding Nemo, so it's going to be number five there on my list as well. Some other honorable mentions that did not make yes. it. Lo- love Hercules. Tough leave out here. I absolutely love Hercules. I had the plates, I think, that McDonald's gave out. So mm. I, it hurt me not to include them. I also loved A Bug's Life. That's a little okay. bit more controversial. Mm. A lot of people didn't love it. Right. People have that reaction. I was a big fan of Bugs Life. What about uh, Emperor's New Groove? Yeah, that one's really good. I, I don't feel like Emperor's New Groove is one of those movies that I'll always, if, if I'm flipping through the television and it's on, I mean, sometimes I'll watch it, sometimes I won't. These other movies on my list. I'm going to go ahead and set up camp on that channel. I like Bolt. Bolt the dog? Yeah, Bolt was good. He was so cute. I don't remember. But I've never seen yeah, Bolt. Yeah, Bolt was good. He was cute. Yeah, I haven't he seen that. He was a TV one. dog on the show, and mm-hmm. he had all these powers, and then he thought he had them for real, for real, but he didn't. And then he ended up having to save the day and use his natural abilities to save the day. Yeah, I like both. That was a cute dog. Um, I've never seen it, but man, we just need to have Disney movie night between everybody. On well, I mean, I Water. tried, but you shot it down during the break, wanting to know what time we we're gonna show up so you could lock us out of the house. <laughs> Maybe just Fiddy though. I'm still, I'm still a little scared of Fiddy being in my house. I don't know what he's. Lady and the Tramp was fire too back in the day. That might be a little, you know, bad. Oh yeah, whenever they eat the spaghetti noodle. But, but what yeah. about what about ta- you know crying at a movie? I mean, there's just Bambi. Mm. Bambi sad, but also um. Fox and the Hound. I mean, there's... Oh, yeah, yeah just, I got to give it up. Those Disney movies, 
You could try. I don't care how hard you think you are. <laughs> but it's some of those movies you're going to go see. And you're going to at least tear up just a little bit some, during some of these movies. They get me every time with uh, your storyline. 101 Dalmatians, 101 Man, that's an excellent movie. And too, I like so. the live action. Uh, yeah. I took my girl to see Cruella. And it was pretty good. Yeah. 101 Dalmatians is good. Uh, Cruella as well. So a couple of people writing in Atlantis. I, n- I didn't like it. Oh, and then hold on now. DuckTales, Treasures of the Lost Lamp. Oh, sure, yeah. Duck I mean, tales. Goofy Movie? Yeah. Oh, we didn't even bring up Goofy Movie. Yeah. That that pizza, <laughs> the cheese dripping off of the pizza that, their pizza that they're eating, that is the most appetizing animated piece of food I've ever seen in my entire life. All right, let's go back. Let's talk a little bit more sports, and let's go and discuss tonight's game between North Carolina and Wake Forest. North Carolina coming off of a loss. We all experienced the city meltdown live as North Carolina was playing Pittsburgh at 12 o'clock. So right at the start of our show, we lost Fitty. He was in North Carolina land, and it turned out to be hell because they would eventually lose, and he had to watch them lose in the public eye. Wake Forest, they're actually coming off of a couple of big wins. You mentioned Virginia Tech. You also mentioned um, their win against the Duke Blue Devils here, Wes. You're feeling pretty good. You had no problem at all betting on the Demon Deacons to win this game. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, coming into this game, you know, Ken Palm has Carolina 11th in the country in offensive efficiency, 14th best getting to the line. They've committed the 23rd fewest turnovers per possession, but they're 294th and three-point percentage, 324th enforcing turnovers and 278th in assists to field goals. We know Caleb Love can get out there and get a little crazy. And their nine wins, Andrew Baycott is the only starter with more turnovers and assists. And Baycott also has uh, the highest plus minus for them. But my Deeks coming in. (laughs) No slouch, top six in the conference in a lot of categories, but mainly fourth in the ACC in three-point field goal percentage and three-point field goals made, sixth in scoring offense, rebounding defense. My man Tyree Appleby leads the ACC with six-point seven assists per game, second in the ACC in scoring the best player in the country nobody's talking about. And, oh, yeah, this backcourt, ballers back there, Davian Williamson and Appleby, both over 1,500 career points. Williamson is, four, well, excuse me, Davian Williamson is 46 points away from 1,500. Appleby is 190 away from 2,000 points. So you got to deal with us coming into Chapel Hill tonight. We got the guard play. Our guards are better than yours, okay, because we know there that Love go. plays a little bit, you know, th- th- those guards are a little bit uh, sporadic for the heel. So I'm ready for all the smoke tonight coming into the Dean Dome. Hadn't beat him there since 2010. That's going to change tonight. I mean, he's talking to you, Fiddy. I don't know if you have any all response day. to all of the smoke ah. that he just threw your way. What do you think about the guards being better for Wake Forest compared to North Carolina? And how good are you feeling going into tonight's game? In terms of efficiency, he's not wrong. They've been more efficient. Tyree Appleby is maybe the fastest player in the country from one end of the court to the other. Mm-hmm. But this is the University of North Carolina. <laughs> this is this is your daddy. We're 163 and 68 all time against the Demon Deacons. We're 79 and 24 all time in Chapel Hill. We're 24 and five in the Smith Center, and we've won seven in a row. And look, Carolina has been wildly underwhelming so far this season. You don't think they know that? Armando Baycott called his team out after the loss to Pittsburgh and said, I don't get how we could come in here and not be locked in and give such a bleak performance on the basketball court. 
this team knows that if they don't start putting it together, they're going to go down as one of, if not the most overrated number one teams in the modern uh, in, in the modern era of college basketball. This is not going to be easy tonight. So did but, they not know they weren't playing good in the other games they lost when they were losing back-to-back games? Did they not know they weren't playing good the game prior to those games? I mean, I'm pretty sure, but that was 2022. Okay. This is 2023. This is a new year. This is a new Tar Heel <laughs> team. They have turned a leaf. It starts tonight with a win over Wake Forest because the schedule is very manageable. You get Notre Dame at home on Saturday. You should beat them. You got, I mean, you got to go to Virginia in a couple weeks. That's going to be tough. But you could really manage this thing up until that first Duke game and get yourself back in position to be a, a, a top four seed in the tournament. So let me flip this to both of you real quickly. Fiddy, we'll start with you. Who needs this game more? Wake Is Forest. It, Wake Forest needs it more than North yes. Carolina. Why? They're not in the field of 68 projected right now by Joe Lenardi with those wins over Duke and Virginia Tech because they were at home. The biggest thing that kept them out of the tournament a year ago was the fact that it wasn't that they didn't have enough quality wins. They didn't have enough quality wins away from home. And so it's really hard to put a team in the tournament when you couldn't win off your home court, when, of course, you're not playing on your home court in the tournament. And so a win tonight for Wake Forest, I think, would catapult them into maybe, you know, that first four or last four and type of discussion for them. This game means so much more for Wake Forest and their tournament hopes than it means to Carolina. Because even if Carolina loses and nine and six is disappointing, they're not out of the tournament. Whereas for Wake Forest, this could be the win that gets them in the field or keeps them out of the field. Yeah, I can agree with that. You know, everything that he said as far as the technical uh, aspects and what it would mean going into the tournament. But it also means a lot to the Hills because of that beatdown they took at the hands of us last year. So I'm sure they don't want to take another beatdown this time on your little ugly floor <laughs> this time around. <laughs> Just getting personal Talking with the freeze. Well, I mean, and, and Fiddy, going back to last year. Like if you're talking about this from making the tournament standpoint, mm-hmm. then yes, Wake Forest, and that holds a lot of value. We've talked about that being a, a huge thing Steve Forbes needs to accomplish. But North Carolina's playing at a different level as far as their expectation coming into the year. And Always so it, are. And, and, uh, yes, and that's true. Even with some shade attached to it, that is absolutely true. And so if you're doing the whole we're preseason number one thing, and then you lose all the games you did, the four straight, and now after what you thought was building up some good ammo going forward, you lose to Pittsburgh and you lose to Wake Forest, then, I mean, you're flirting with the bubble too, to be honest. Plus, you're talking about what seed would you be if you did get into the tournament? Would you be eight seed again? And where does that rank as far as what your expectations were coming in, right? So, like, to me, I do think that North Carolina, it would be a really bad loss for North Carolina, too. And that's no disrespect for Wake. That's just the expectations put on the Tar Heels at the beginning. I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think, too. I don't think it's a bad loss. I think it's just a loss. I think Wake Forest is really, really good. But what it does do is just further exemplify what I just said, that you lose this game, you're going to be talked about in a negative connotation. And we all know that Hubert Davis doesn't like that. So the best way to avoid that conversation, to avoid that dialogue, is to win. And the thing about this team is, for whatever reason, same thing that Wake Forest has has struggled with the last two years as well, they're really, really good at home, and they're not so good away from home. This game is at home. It's at 9 o'clock. It'll feel like a big game. And we've seen this team at home in these moments rise to the occasion under Huber Davis. I'm not coming here and saying they're going to wax the floor with Wake Forest. They're too damn good. 
this is going to be a game at the under four minute timeout. But this is a game that Carolina, with their talent, with their depth, with their experience, should win. Now, the real question we should be asking before we get to Sam Farber on the other side of the break is, Wes, are you sure that you like Tyree Appleby so much when there's a possibility he could take your crown as the best Florida to Wake Forest transfer we've seen <laughs> in university history? And that's thanks to Scott, the XFL honk, for writing that in. Are you are, are you willing to share that crown? Or are you willing to hand it over? Or are you still holding that crown? Especially if he can get a win tonight against Carolina. I'm more than willing to okay. hand that over. All me. right, Appleby. I'll still allow you to keep the crown, though. I'm yeah. not giving it to Appleby. Yeah. Wes Bryant well, still like holds it. That's it. why you're my partner. Yeah, that's why Wes Bryant still holds it around here. Sam Farber, he'll be joining us. Hornets play-by-play announcer. Any word on Cody Martin? Listed as questionable. Could we see him return okay. tonight against Memphis? That's coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. The Charlotte Hornets are back in action tonight at the Spectrum Center. They take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Tip is set for 7 p.m. And you can catch that game right here on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Let's go to the man that's going to be on the call when you tune in. Body Works Plus guest hotline now welcomes the Hornets play-by-play announcer, Sam Farber. Sam, we'll get to the Hornets game in just a moment, but we do have to ask you the theme of today and the question that surrounds it. What is your favorite Disney slash Pixar movie of all time? Ooh, this is good. This is good. I'm, I, I'm disappointed I wasn't prepped for this, but I'm glad I wasn't prepped for this as well. You know, one that's really fun for me right now is Aladdin, because uh, it came up when I was a young kid. So it was, you know, one good of answer. the big releases when I was a little kid. Plus, that my mine kids too, really love it now. There you go. See, so I'm in good company. Plus, my kids really love it now. So seeing them rediscover the movie with Robin Williams as the genie or Will Smith as the genie. It, it's it's just, it's so much fun. So yeah. that, that's at the top of my list. All right, that's a good one. Yeah, we had a, a top five between all three of us that we were putting out there. Finding Nemo made it. I believe Toy Story. We're all huge fans. Yeah, we of, forgot Zootopia, too. We, we did. There's a lot. There's a lot. So, yeah, well, maybe we can all have Sam Farber again on <laughs> and we can talk about Disney yeah. Channel, Disney, Disney movies, movie podcast. the entire show, but maybe we'll just stick to the Charlotte Hornets after the initial question. And and some unfortunate injury news. Again, Kelly Oubre going to undergo surgery that will keep him out. At least right now, the prognosis is he'll be out post-All-Star break. That game is on February 19th, I believe. Sam, what does this injury mean for the Hornets going forward? Well, I think it just means a, a continuation of what we've been seeing. If uh, if the Hornets season uh, were a Disney ride, I'd say we're the, the Haunted Mansion. There's an injury lurking behind every corner. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the best I can do there. Um, no, but, that's solid, you know, Sam. Yeah, yeah, excellent one. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, it, you know, it, it's just unfortunate because, you know, we felt so strongly coming into the season, not, not just, you know, me, myself, but a lot of the media around town, that there was a chance that this could be a, a really strong season of progress for the Hornets, building on what had been accomplished the last couple of years uh, with a, a new coach in town and uh, an older, even more mature and, and better LaMelo ball leading the way. And, and unfortunately, just never gotten off the ground. We've never seen this team together. And I don't think any team should expect to be 100% healthy 
for 82 games, but you know, five or ten would have been nice to really get an idea of, of what we've got here. And you know, just as it, it seems like we might be getting Cody Martin back for the first time since the first minute of the regular season, uh, right back on top of it again. There's a, there's another injury to deal with. Yeah. And you mentioned Cody Martin possibly coming back. He's listed as questionable for tonight, so at least there is some good news there. What will they get in Cody Martin's return and how he'll impact this basketball team? Just strong defensive player and, and he just kinda, you know, fits into all the little holes that you can potentially leave in your defense and your offense, quite frankly. He's a, a better offensive player than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Uh, one point before he got injured last season, he was leading the NBA in three-point percentage. Uh, he can drive and dunk with the, with the best of them out there. Um, he's a very, very skilled offensive player, but defense is where he's really made a name for himself. And when you think back to the, the offseason, the, the big signing for this team was keeping Cody Martin in town. They gave him a significant contract to keep him here, and uh, not just because he's a great guy and out of the kindness of their heart, but because other people wanted him. So, you know, getting him out there on the floor, I think is going to have a huge impact on this team. Sam, when you look at the Memphis Grizzlies, is this sort of what the blueprint of what the Charlotte Hornets would like to be as far as just having, you know, homegrown stars that they drafted, whether you talk about John Moran or Jaron Jackson, and then building it around kind of guys that were late round to second round picks like the Baines and Brookses of the world, and then sneaky free agents like Atias Jones and Steven Adams. Is this kind of the model for what a team like Charlotte would want to do in one of the, I guess you could say mid to smaller markets in the NBA? I mean, I think you'd like it to be it's certainly a path. I think the, the path that uh, is most often traveled, um, and before Memphis was doing it, it was the Golden State Warriors. You know, their core is almost entirely drafted. Their core now is almost entirely drafted players. So, you know, I think that's the model for most of the NBA, and it, it's what puts such a premium on your draft picks. Um, but also, it, it doesn't leave you prisoner to your draft position. I know that there's a lot of conversation out there every year, quite frankly, about, uh, and in every sport, quite frankly, about, you know, oh, you, you, got, you can't afford to win too many games because you want to have this spot if you're, you know, not insured of making the playoffs. Uh, to me, great GMs are great GMs because they find the best players wherever they sit in the draft. Mitch Kupchak is in that category, whether with the Hornets or when he was with the Lakers. Wherever he sat in the draft, he'd find the best player. He'd find all-stars, Julius Randle, you know, Jordan Clarkson. These, there, there's all kinds of guys drafted later uh, than pick one, two, or three that he has selected that have gone on to great success. And, you know, for me, anyone who is a proponent of tanking or any GM who feels they have to pick first to win is just a sign that maybe are not a very good general manager. Now, I'm not saying that if you're uh, in a position to pick first or fifth, you should pick fifth voluntarily. Um, but, you know, my, my point is the great GMs are able to find the talent wherever they are. And as much as we like to think we know what every 18-year-old is going to become by the time they're 35, we really have no idea. All right, and then two-part question here. Uh, we know John Morant's rising star uh, in the NBA and what he means to that franchise. Uh, first part of the question is how far off do you feel like LaMelo is from Ja, or do you feel like he's even that far off at all? And then two, when you look at his career against Charlotte, he has one of the lower points-per-game averages than he has against any other team at 19 points a game. What is it about the Hornets when they play against him that they're able to slow him down? 
Well, second part first, uh, you know, I haven't dug too deep into the numbers, but I know we, we don't only play twice a year, so there, there's fewer matchups. And one of them, uh, the last one, got out of hand so quickly, they really didn't need him to score. So that, that might have, you know, tweaked the averages just a little bit. But I, I do think with players like Cody Martin on your team, you know, you have a better chance of defending him in general. Uh, Cody's a, an elite defender, and he's going to give Jaw as many problems as anyone. But Jaw, you know, the reason he's as great as he is, is because he can, you know, just outplay everyone out there. Um, I also think, you know, part of the reason that Jaw is having, in my opinion, the best year of his career is because while his scoring has stayed level from last year, his assists have really shot up. I mean, he's up an extra two assists per game, getting his teammates involved better and better. Um, so I think he's having a great year. In terms of, you know, where LaMelo is in the process, I don't think he's far off, but that's not uh, to, to pull Jaw down. That's because... Jaw is also ascending in his career. You know, they're kind of going up in parallel lanes, and the only thing keeping LaMelo back right now is the injuries. Um, but we're, we're getting a look here at just how proficient a scorer he can be. LaMelo is the better passer, I would say, right now. Um, but Jaw, as I mentioned before, is improving in that vein as well. Sam Farber, Hornets play-by-play announcer, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. And speaking of defense, being able to stop John Moran or at least have a hope is going to be able to protect the rim, too. You would like to have that guy. Mark Williams is doing a pretty good job at that. And, Sam, we've seen him not only come in against OKC, have the 17-13 and 13 night, but we've also seen him give some pretty good minutes overtaking Nick Richards' spot in the rotation. What have you seen from Mark Williams ever since Steve Clifford has gone to him here lately? I think he's doing exactly what he's being asked to do and doing it at an exceptionally high level. Uh, you know, a lot of players will come into the league and think, well, I want to be Kevin Durant when I'm done, or I want to be like LeBron when I'm done. And they forget to be themselves at the start. And being the best version of themselves is what allows you to continue to make that progress. And so right now, Mark Williams isn't out there trying to, you know, knock down four threes a game, even though it's something he works on in practice and something the front office and coaching staff believes could be a part of his game in the future. But right now he's trying to be the best version of himself, and that is the reigning ACC Defensive Player of the Year and intimidating shot-blocking, rim-protecting presence with one of the elite wingspans in the NBA right now. He's using it. Uh, you know, he had nine rebounds off the bench in pretty quick order last game, and he's able to, you know, get to balls in terms of altitude that most other players can't get to on the floor. That's a huge advantage. So uh, I really like that from him. I also think that the leadership in the uh, the center room, if you will, uh, you know, you can't speak highly enough of the job Mason Plumlee's done. He's had a career year for himself statistically speaking. He's top ten in the NBA in field goal percentage, and getting to battle against practice through training camp all throughout this season uh that's just got to be invaluable for a guy like mark who in addition to being a great player is a great guy and just a sponge taking in all this knowledge from a 10-year vet as well as his coaching staff sam the hornets are first in the nba in field goal attempts at 29th in field goal percentage and then on the defensive side at 28th in opponents points per game and have only held one opponent under 100 points at this point do are we just hoping the Hornets can just show up and make shots and play an ounce of defense at this point and just see what happens? Well, I actually think their defense is, is a little bit better than they're getting credit for in some of those stats, but because of what you talked about, because their pace is so high, they create 
so many extra possessions, it allows the other team to have extra possessions as well. So some of those scoring numbers are actually going up. I, I think the efficiency part has been a part of the problem. Uh, if you look at the numbers, Charlotte and Memphis are actually pretty close to each other in terms of pace of play. They're also not that far apart from each other in team field goal percentage as well. Uh, Memphis is the worst free-throw shooting team in the NBA. They're not a particularly strong field goal percentage team. What they do better than the Hornets do right now is when they get into transition, their, their pace of play and their fast break points more or less line up in terms of how they rank in the league. They're top three, I think, right now in both of them, or at least they were yesterday. Charlotte is number one in pace of play since LaMelo has come back, but they're about 15th in fast break points. They're not converting enough on these odd man rush opportunities, on these turn, uh, points off turnover opportunities. Um, and so, something Coach Clifford talked about earlier is being maybe a shot selection part of the, the puzzle that they need to continue to get better at. So um, I think that when you're looking at these two teams, there are a lot of similarities. Uh, Memphis has a, a bit of a, an ace up their sleeve with Steven Adams in the middle and his ability to get double-doubles. I think he's averaging 20 boards a game over his last three nights. Um, but for Charlotte to get a win, they need to not play any faster. They're playing fast enough. they got to be a little bit more efficient while playing fast and make defenses pay when they're out in front of them. All right, that's the voice of Sam Farber, the Hornets play-by-play announcer, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can hear him on the call tonight as the Hornets host the Grizzlies. Tip is set for 7 p.m. Sam, we always appreciate it, man, and good luck on the call. I appreciate you guys. Good luck with your Disney quest, and mm-hmm. we're going to miss you all. We're going to go on the road for about a week and a half, and uh, when we come home, there's only two home games on the homestand. It's Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, there will be a Saturday game and a Monday game, both against the Boston Celtics. Hornets.com for your tickets. All right, we appreciate Sam once again. We are going to continue the Disney quest at some point with Sam, who really wanted to answer that question. And it does seem like this time really dwindled down quite quickly, talking about their return from the West Coast road trip. Four home games flew by, especially after that OKC win. Mark Williams performs. He's by far the biggest storyline. And you'll see if you can uh, give another bookend victory tonight against the Grizzlies. Going to be tough, though. Memphis comes in with a 23-13 and 13 record. One of the contenders in the Western Conference. Memphis is a 7.5-point favorite tonight against Charlotte. And you were talking about their defense with Sam West. You talked about some of the stats. They're not very good when you compare them to all of the other teams in the association. Terry Rozier, in their most recent loss after the game against the Lakers, said for what seems to be the millionth time <laughs> that they have to have a toughness about them. Mm-hmm. And they have to play with that toughness as soon as they go out there on the court. And look, I think Terry Rozier is a good leader. I think a lot of the young guys, I think LaMelo really respects him. I think a lot of the guys respect Terry Rozier. And offensively, I mean, the last couple of seasons, he's been very clutch. Like we, We've seen him show up big time as one of the best clutch scorers in all of the NBA. He was literally number one for a while when you put a, a few different qualifiers in there. But defensively, Terry's also been a problem this season and last year and the year before that. And I want to buy in with some of the words and some of the comments that Terry has. But Wes, it just hasn't happened yet, despite him saying the right thing about them needing to be more disciplined. But I just don't see it on that end 
from Terry and from some of the other players. What did you make of Terry's comment? Yeah, I mean, we heard this a lot last year, especially in games when they would decide to play some defense and they would get wins. We would hear this comment from him a lot, and that's why, you know, we were saying for the thousandth time because he would always bring that up, and it's like, why can't they do this on a regular basis? As you said, Terry is not leading by example as far as just how his defense is, and I think it just speaks to the lack of true leadership and true grit on this team. I think you know that they that they play hard and can be offensively gifted at times to where they can run off spurts, but it's just this team lacks a grit and a leadership and accountability within each other to take care of those things that will make them chippy, that will make them, you know, play with that toughness from beginning to the end of the game. Because as far as the reputation that I would like to have if I had a basketball team is that they are tough and that they are gritty and they are going to make it hard on teams offensively when they come in to play. The Hornets don't have that. When teams come in, the objective is to outscore them. And if you have a pretty good defense, you can make the Hornets go in stretches where they won't make shots, where you can open up the lead and kind of not necessarily cruise to a win, but if you just continue to shoot the ball fairly decent, which they're going to allow you to do because they don't play defense, you know, to the level that they want to, you'll be okay. And so I just think that this just speaks to what's needed in the culture of this team, the culture of this locker room, and that it speaks to a desperate need for them to hold each other accountable. Well, and Steve Clifford has talked about the lack of physicality with this squad quite a bit, and that's not foreign from James Borrego. He would mention that last year, that they needed to play harder, and, and specifically with more physicality, not questioning the effort, so to speak. That's something Steve Clifford has not questioned either. He's in fact he's gone against it, saying if they play with effort, they're just looking to score. They're they're trying to outscore teams, which is not something you can do and win consistently in the NBA. And they're just not playing defense nearly. I mean, honestly, nearly as well as they were at the beginning of the season, right? Because even if you look at transition defense, they were ranked towards the top, top half in the NBA. And in the last 12 games or so, they're now towards the bottom. I believe Steve Clifford referenced something like they're 29th in transition defense at this point. And that was always so frustrating, even last year. If you're fast on offense, then theoretically, you could be fast on defense. You could have your guards getting back on time. Because it's not like, I want Terry Rozier crashing the boards. Get back on defense. LaMelo crashes the boards, and he's a really good rebounder. And sometimes you need help with that when you don't have a star-studded center lineup. But you also want to to get back on transition defense, and that's just not something that's happening right now. So you know we'll see what happens with the Hornets tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies. Unfortunately, you're not going to have Kelly Oubre. You're not going to have him until post All Star break, February 19th. Remember, the trade deadline is February 9th, so he's certainly not going to be healthy by the time you can trade him. That's going to put a wrench in things as far as what you do at the trade deadline as well. We can have some of those macro storyline type conversations maybe later on as the season goes. But, you know, especially with a couple of injuries again, Gordon Hayward leaving the game, Kelly Oubre undergoing surgery. It's been that kind of year for the Charlotte Hornets. Last Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? Did want to update my first story of the day. Uh, Washington will now start Sam Howell on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. And, uh... I'm glad to see Sammy get a shot Excited. as a starter in the NFL, but uh, I hope he's on his ass a whole lot because the Cowboys will be playing for that number one seed. Yeah, what do you do in that situation? Oh, he plays for Washington. I hope he fails. Okay, there you go. Um, None of this like 353 no. touchdowns and hope he loses? None no. of that? Okay, fair enough. 
There's a new offensive play caller in College Station. <laughs> well, you want to take a guess at who the new OC for Texas A&M is? I can because I just read it, and I was <laughs> going to incorporate it in here if you did not, but I should know the dynamic producer always on his job, Bobby Petrino. Oh, Bobby. Oh, neck brace Bobby. Bobby! <sighs> Man. Here's Bobby. their coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Just took a job, though. Just took that OC job at UNLV. For the upcoming season. And now all and has ditched them amazing. for Texas A&M. It's fantastic. The head coach is Jimbo Fisher. The offensive coordinator is Bobby Petrino. <laughs> Their defensive coordinator is DJ Durkin. Is there a mm. more hated, dislikable staff that exists in college slime. football that's than what a, they've a, assembled in College Station? That's the new YSL right there. It's slime life. It's, it's the all-controversy <laughs> coaching staff. Is there a way they can get Lane Kiffin somehow? I wonder if they can pry right. Lane Kiffin away, put him oh on the coaching staff. What else you can do? You know, just figure it out. Find a way to get DJ Durkin should not be coaching. I'm yeah, sorry. No, at all. No. It's ridiculous. Yeah, maybe Houston Nutt. Maybe they can go find a way to get Houston Nutt on that staff as well. I'm sure Texas A&M would be um, embracing all of that. Alright, it's time for the walk-off. What's on tap? All of that good stuff this day in sports history coming up next sports radio 92.7 fm thanks to sam farber joining us again you can catch him on the call tonight as the hornets take on the grizzlies Speaking of another Hornet-centric topic, did you guys see the Scoot Henderson dunk last night? Oh, my God. That's one of the <laughs> nastiest dunks I've seen on a person when he went one hand, two hand, back to one hand and dunked it emphatically. It seemed like he hung in the air for 10 minutes. So he dunked it, and it almost looked like the defender wasn't even there because he seemed so unfazed by the defender that was playing decent defense. It's not like he got beat. I mean, he got the angle. But it wasn't like he was completely blown by. And Scoot Henderson just paid him no mind. He gets contested at the rim. And then, as you mentioned it, he goes up one hand, gathers it a little bit, and then cocks it back, slams it home. Scoot Henderson, look, man, I would be pretty upset if they have a 14% opportunity to get the number one overall pick in the lottery. And they don't get it. Of course. Wimby, it's some of the dumbest tape I've ever seen in my entire life. Hmm. I mean, watching Scoot Henderson dunk last night, it's crazy. It deserves all the credit in the world. But then I see 7-4 Wembenyama shooting multiple, yes, two, two times in a game, one-footed floater three-point shots that were just nothing but net. I mean, you're talking about 26, 27 feet out, one-foot floaters, just Drano. And yeah, I want that guy. Are you copping a Wimby jersey if he comes to Charlotte? And how many different ones would you have if you are? Well, I'm not really a jersey guy, so no, I would not. Really? No, I'm not. Do you get a T-shirt or something like that? I mean, I probably not. Of the, I mean, maybe the players. You gotta yeah. get some Wimby uh, merch. Uh, car- caricature for sure, though. Like I'm a big oh, caricature. Yeah, done. I like caricatures on T-shirts, so I would roll that way. But you don't even you don't like Scoot Henderson with this Hornets team as a good consolation prize. I mean, yeah. I mean, a six one six two guard. I mean, yeah, it, it'll help. It won't hurt. You know, if he comes in and it's good as advertised. But I just think in the NBA, you need a dominating wing. Six seven, six eight, six nine, or uh, you know, a big that can run and you know stretch the floor. But I just don't think a little guard is going to help the Hornets. Well, it's it's not like we've done a whole bunch of NBA draft preparation, but 
you're not taking Cam Whitmore over Scoot Henderson. As much as Cam Whitmore is very good. I'm going deep in the weeds now. No, I, I, I know. a little bit more so, research. I got you. Small <laughs> I'm just messing with you. No, but small forward is what Cam Whitmore is, and yeah. he's probably the high, uh, the highest touted archetype that you're thinking of. Maybe Amen Thompson, but he's you know point guard, shooting guard as well. So, I, look, Scoot Henderson should be the number two overall pick. I would love that backcourt pairing. That would be an excellent pairing. Scoot Henderson would be the number one overall pick in a lot of different NBA drafts that doesn't just have one of the best prospects we've ever seen of all time. LeBron James level, I mean, Kevin Durant level as far as the scoring and the height. He's crazy. I'd be just fine with Scoot Henderson, though, at number two. Would you be pretty upset? Do you like the consolation prize there, Fiddy? Oh man, I mean, I think it would be a nice, a nice piece to the to the to the puzzle. Um, the problem with this Hornets team now is that they're small, and their backcourt, even even with Lamelo, is small. So, but I mean, you you can't deny that it's talent. The biggest problem I have is that y'all didn't y'all didn't pay any respect to where he got that move from. Oh, <laughs> Wes. <laughs> Let's hear it. Who did he get the move from? I mean, look, I'm not saying that I completed said move, Mm -hmm. but I attempted said move. That's what led to the torn ACL was trying to yam in church league, which was illegal, which it would would have resulted in a technical foul. But I thought it was worth it. And I went up and I tried to yam and I didn't yam and I came down and I... My knee just exploded. Well, Fiddy, the problem that they probably had was the fact that you brought out a trampoline on the floor, and you can't do that stuff. <laughs> so, of course, they're going to get mad at you. They're like the Hornets. Like, what do they do? They don't do it at halftime. I forgot when they do the dunk, the dunk. And they have the dunk team that comes out there, too, yes. that does that. Yeah, Fiddy was trying to do his best impression of Super Hugo, bring out a trampoline, and then blew his knee out. Now he's doing sports talk radio rather than playing in the NBA or in the MLS, as we learned him being pretty good at Just, soccer yeah. back in the day. All right, Fiddy, let's go to What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club today to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks-Club. It's the game that you two have a bet on. North Carolina superfan Fiddy Marlowe against Wake Forest alum Wes Bryan. And we have the bet there where we have... What, what's, what are you talking about? I'm an alumnus of North Carolina. I went you to really the said, you Carolina really got, School of Broadcasting. You really got so upset. I was like, wait, what did I say wrong there? And it turns out I didn't say anything wrong there. So you two have lunch. You have a lunch bet on this. Yes. $20 as, limit lunch bet. As long as it's within Rezo, $20. There you go. Bossy Bulas, is that what you're going to get again, Fiddy? No, nah, I mean, probably not. I mean, you know, that's 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 you and I's thing. Me and Wes, our, our relationship yeah, is... Yeah, we might go to Noble Smoke or something like that. I don't know. Well, I don't know. 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> twenty bucks per person. Oh, I thought it was doing twenty bucks. Twenty bucks total. I was like, no, I said twenty bucks get- total for the winner. Like if if your lunch. Your lunch cannot be more than twenty yeah. bucks. If, if if it was what Fiddy was thinking, then you're talking about Taco Bell. Yeah, value. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, get I one mean, combo. yeah, no, I mean that you know twenty bucks per you know whoever wins, your lunch can go up to twenty dollars. <laughs> Fiddy was going to go, like, get you chicken nuggets, and that was it. Right. <laughs> that was going to be the only thing that he was going right. to get you. No, 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 no. I'll take you to a good life. All right, Fiddy, what happened on this day in sports history? Well, boys, on this day in 1976, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, became the first wild card team to make it to the Super Bowl with a 37-7 route of the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC title game. Barring Dallas win on Sunday and a Philly loss, they'll have to go the wild card route again. Hopefully that happens this January. 
Uh, on this day in 2000, a day after accepting the head coaching position with the New York Jets, Bill Belichick resigns and moves to the New England Patriots, and the course of the NFL was changed forever. And then on this day in 2006, arguably the greatest college football game ever was played as second-ranked Texas ended USC's 34-game winning streak, beating the two-time defending national champions or national champs 41-38 in the Rose Bowl. The Longhorns would also snap USC's record string of 33 consecutive weeks as number one team in the AP Top 25 as Texas won their first national title since 1969. Nice performance from Texas there to be able to end that streak. We all remember where we were when Texas beat USC, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the best games, not only in college football history. I think it's the greatest game of all time. In sports history, yeah. Well, not in sports history, but in college football history. Well, I agree, but I think in sports history, it's probably up there as far as what we grew up watching, right? What else would compete with that if you encompass all sports? You got some good ones. I mean, the New England comeback against Atlanta, the New England-Seattle game. Uh, what else? Then for me, the 49ers beating the Chargers in 94, even though that was a lopsided win. But, you <laughs> yeah. know, that's Nobody up there. Nobody is putting that up there. The, the, the game when the 49ers beat the Cowboys when they got prime time and finally got over the hump. The 31-3 Buffalo Houston Oilers game. What about the final four game between North Carolina and yes. Duke last year? North Carolina Villanova. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Villanova one's not uh, up yeah, there. Yeah, so there, there's some there's some games up there. NBA, I mean. Yeah, I was trying to think of some of the, of the game memorable. Game seven of the oh, yeah. 16 finals. Oh, yeah. Even that, though it was fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Lakers, Celtics. No. Talking about with, oh, yeah, but LeBron. that was a good one. Yeah, so 2016, LeBron, Golden oh, State. That, that oh, game and seven. then. Um, Shoot, that game six with um, Heat Spurs when Ray Allen hit the shot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was crazy. Yeah, well, that one's tough, too. A couple of those going LeBron's way. Some of the greater games that we've seen going LeBron's way. It's amazing what happens when you play with copious amounts of not just (laughs) all-stars, but Hall of Famers. Copious amounts is what Fiddy has to say. You learned that at the Carolina School of Broadcasting? He did because he's an alum. He's a Tar Heel. That's exactly what the nickname is of the School of Broadcasting as well. That'll do it for Weston Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show. Coming up next, tomorrow we'll get to a recap of the North Carolina Wake Forest game. But again, it's Kyle Bailey alongside Smoke Ludwig. Coming up next on Sports Radio 92.7 FM.